Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Hey guys, I am back for another solo session, and today we're going to talk about how to innovate without a budget. Yes, you got that right. How to innovate without any resources. And this is something that we've learned from day one with the bananas and have learned from day one of joining this industry, minor league baseball and lower level baseball. uh, Having sufficient funds is not something we're known for. And so we've had to get dramatically creative and innovative to be able to do unique things. And so today I'm going to share the bananas mindset and our process to how we do it. I believe that lack of resources should never hold anyone back. I believe it's a blessing in disguise because lack of resources forces you to get creative and do things with a limited budget, but also do things that maybe other people wouldn't do instead of just throw money at the problem. I think it's not about the lack of resources that hold companies back. I think it's the lack of resourcefulness that holds companies back. And one of the biggest things in our mindset that we talk about often is outthink don't outspend. And once we've built that into our culture, it's been very easy to start getting creative in new ways of making things happen. Next, I'm going to share how do we set the tone with our people, our product, and our processes to create this innovative culture. And I believe there's some ideas that you may be able to take back to your business and your people because we've learned a lot having zero funds in numerous times throughout my career and how we were able to actually make things happen. And then finally, I'm going to break down the One City World Tour, the financials of it, how we were able to do it. This is in the middle of a pandemic and the middle of one of our toughest financial years that we had this past 2020, taking a seven-figure hit in total revenue. How are we able to do something brand new and try something brand new with not a lot of resources? And I'm going to go through the deals go through the whole setup and the process to doing it. So to give you a little practical example. So that is the plan today and we're going to have some fun. So I really want, hopefully this can spur some more questions and ideas for your company to get a little more creative today now more than ever. So number one, how do we innovate without a budget? Let's talk about the people, products, and processes. Often it starts with people and people is your greatest asset. I think so many times people look uh, or companies look at people as a cost. And you know, oh, well, if we're bringing on three people, that's going to be 200000 150000 whatever that number is. People are an investment. But I think sometimes you have to get creative on that. And we've never had the opportunity to hire people from the outside and pay them six figures immediately. That's just not how our business has been made up. And you know, how I started was as a 22-year-old unpaid intern. And I had to prove myself and be successful. And I think that's built on a lot of the sports industry is originally was unpaid interns. Now all interns are paid and they're taken care of. But that was the setup. And I think often businesses are like, well, I can't do internships or, you know, an internship with, you know, my accounting firm or my law firm or my cleaning company isn't that sexy. Well, that's a mindset that's holding you back because the reality is you can make it as attractive as you want. And obviously for a sports team, it does sound cool to have an internship with a sports team. But the reality is there's so many young people out there that are begging for experience. 
and they want to get in and get their hands dirty and they want to do things. And I would say one of the biggest fundamental successes for our company has been based on our internship program. And when we talk about how to innovate without a budget, well, you need to bring in people that are talented without investing a huge amount of money, without even seeing what is their skill set, or is it a great fit for the culture? And so our intern program is the base of almost everything we do as far as our people. And today, looking at the Savannah Bananas, almost every single person on our staff started as an intern. From Jared Orden back in Gastonia, who was our president, started as a seasonal with us in the spring, to our whole entire ticket team, you go through down the line. I mean, we've even had people start as game day staff. We've had two people join our team that started as a game day staff member, then became an intern, then joined our full-time team. And there's such an opportunity there to test people first. So I'll give you an example. Our first year, people think of the bananas, they often think about our videos and our content, and we weren't really into that to begin with. We didn't have huge plans. We were just trying to market ourselves, but we brought in a photography intern. You know, we have a college right near us in Georgia Southern, and we brought in a photography intern, Ben Sheffield, and he took some great pictures to start the year and about two weeks in, he says, hey, you know, I I can make videos. You know, I I really love making films. And he said, oh, really? Well, let's try one out. He started doing a highlight film. I was like, this is pretty impressive. And we came up with the idea of thinking differently and said, well, what if we did a music video with our players? And Ben shot a music video, Can't Stop the Peeling. This was his first real film with the team. And because it was so different, because it was a music video, it actually, it took off. It absolutely took off. A couple hundred thousand views immediately. It, it put us on the map in many ways. We gained thousands of followers. Now, that was produced by an intern. Now, it's like, oh, well, you have a very talented intern. Well, we brought in interns with, again, a low expense and we let him have freedom to create. And he started producing more videos. We started challenging him up at the top. And at the end of the year, uh, he had one more year left at school. He started working remote, and then he joined us full time. And now five seasons, six seasons later, Ben is still a part of our team. It started as an intern, but it started with that test. And we'll get into that mindset on how do you innovate? How do you test? The next step is you got to give permission for people to try things. I think often we bring on, you know, if we bring on interns or we bring on first year people, you know, we always are kind of hesitant. We have fear of them trying new things. That's the opposite mindset for us. We want them to get their feet wet immediately. We want them to literally get their hands dirty. And so (laughs) when someone starts with us, we immediately ask them to, to what ideas do they have and to try and test them. And I've shared the story about our intern last year, the Austin, who came up with the idea of doing a thank you rap for people when they bought tickets. And he said he was, no, he was awkward and he didn't want to make the rap and he didn't want to do it. And I said, well, why don't you give it a try? And that first day he gave an awkward (laughs) rap uh, to a fan and said, hey, this is Austin, the awkward bananas rapper. I'm here to fill your day with fun, joy, and laughter. I hope you enjoy the merch. Thank you so much for your perch. And he made that. And from that day on, he continued making raps and he was testing it. And again, there was no expense. He was an intern, but he was testing a new idea. And he learned how important that culture was for us. And then this past year, we brought in Carson and we said, hey, you're going to be our membership coordinator. Have fun with the emails back to people. And I've shared on LinkedIn recently a few of the email responses when people ask, 
hey, uh, where's the link to buy tickets? Or how do you buy tickets? He said, well, you're going to take a paddle boat down the Eastern Wharf. You're going to come out to a bridge. You're going to take a left. You're going to get out of the bridge. You're going to go to a, a kiosk at the mall at Dillard's. And he wrote this ridiculous copy and people are laughing. And again, is he creative? Yes, but it's the permission to not just have a typical response. And now he's been writing a lot of our copy as someone who just started with us. And I think the permission to try ideas and not be afraid of what people think is huge. A person on our staff could have very easily, our president, myself, could be like, no, you know, we don't want to be outrageous. We don't want to be different. Let's just, you know, make sure you kind of get a feel for our fans before you start sending that. But that wasn't the mindset. So that was, you know, really important when we start bringing people on, the people. Start, look at interns, all right? Then look at potentially, how do you get them out testing new things? Then are there volunteers? You know, for us, you know, you look at churches. Churches are based so much on volunteers. It's crazy. But for us, even our banana nanas, they volunteered to be a part of this dance. And obviously, we take care of them, their tickets and the food. We have mananas, our male cheerleading team who want to volunteer. You know, if there's people who, who are really into what you're doing, look at all those opportunities. And I think that's one thing that we've really looked at is that how can you hire your fans? You know, how can you hire people that really like what you do? And just give them a shot, give them a test at a low cost. So I really think that creating that innovative culture and innovative budget starts with those minimum tests on people. The next thing in regards to people is you got to have clarity of expectations. I think this is something that's crucial in trying to create an innovative culture. You have to let people know the challenges you have when it comes to resources. You know, I think when we've brought people in, that maybe hasn't been an intern and they had either a bigger budget in the past, it's very tough to get to a place where you had a big budget, you had a big staff, and you're coming to something much more smaller. And so right now we're in the process of hiring a stage manager, like an entertainment director for our team. And we changed with our clarity of expectations. I literally wrote on this job description, it says, why this job is not for everyone. We play at an old 1926 ballpark. We don't have any digital scoreboards. We have very little technology at our ballpark. We have a very small budget. We are in a small market. And I said, because of this, we have to outthink and not outspend. We have to barter and trade constantly. You have to make trades for equipment, promotional items. We have to be resourceful. We need to use our resources like our players, coaches, interns, characters. We have to maximize the show. And we need to bring the show to the fans. Without video scoreboards, we need to utilize the entire ballpark for the show. And so I set the tone, that goes on a whole other page and all those things that we're looking, but we're setting the tone that, hey, we don't have a ton of resources. We don't have a ton of tools that you're just going to be able to plug and play. We're going to have to really get creative. And so I think it's very important when you bring someone in, set the tone, let them know, hey, you're not going to get a million dollar budget to go hire all these acts. You're going to have to think, how can you make that same impact for your customers, your fans, the people, whatever the job is without uh, having those resources. So that's how we set the tone with our people. And I think our intern program is now growing year round. We're bringing people in the fall, the winter, and the spring. And we are teaching everything we can about our business. And we are constantly giving them new tests. Whether it's social media, they get to new, new campaigns. Whether they get to use a new platform. And I'll get to that a little bit with our social media. But that is huge. Number two, product. Now, how do you innovate with new products without having money? And <laughs> this is a little unique for us. And I think you have to really break it down and to look at what are those products that you have and why do you have to spend money? And so the number one thing we try to do is maximize our current assets. So what are the things that you have right now that 
you may just look right past, or you may not think that you can utilize them in different ways. And for us, I think where we do a great job is we maximize the assets of our players and our coaches. You know, when you look at a sports team, their players play and their coaches coach. Well, for us, (laughs) our players entertain in every possible way, and so do our coaches. So for instance, at games, our players are actually out passing out programs. They're signing autographs. Our players are involved with passing out roses to fans. Our players do the t-shirt toss. Our players are out greeting fans at the end of the night. They are a part of all of that. And then in addition, we look at, you know, how can the players also be involved in our social media? So our players, can they do videos? Can they do TikTok videos, Facebook videos? Can our players do photo shoots when we're trying to promote new things in the ballpark? And the great thing it says, like, oh, well, you're just using your players. Well, the reality is our players love it because they're being looked upon as celebrities. So who are those people in your office that instead of saying, hey, we're going to go hire people to do a video shoot or, you know, are there people in your office that might want to be a part of it? That Southwest Airlines does a great job of this. They have a lot of their employees are constantly in their ads and they love it because they become celebrities. And I think just, you know, we don't always have to think, hey, Joanne does our HR. She can't, you know, be a part of something else. Or, you know, Alan's our president. He just does this. He can't do that. And I think we're all in this together. And that's the mindset when we look at our products. If you're trying to promote something, if you're trying to sell something, utilize what you have. I think that is so key. Number two with the product, trade or barter. If you're looking for something, uh, I think trade and barter is not talked about today as much as it should be. It is huge. It, it was everything for us. I, when I started as a 23-year-old, after I got the job at, as a GM of the Gastonia Grizzlies, making $27,000 a year, and I couldn't pay myself for the first two or three months, and we had $268 in our bank account, I had no other options. And how could I trade everything? I tried to I get our signage uh, traded for free. I w- worked on our printing. And I remember vividly uh, a gentleman actually approached me, and he said, uh, hey, have you thought about doing baseball cards for the team? And I said, yeah, you know, I'd love to, but you know, the reality is we don't have a lot of funds. He goes, well, I'll print the baseball cards for you. Can I put our logo on the bottom back corner of the baseball card? I go, heck yeah, you can. And he printed all of our baseball cards, including we had Russell Wilson baseball cards when he played for us. And then he came to us and said, hey, what about business cards? What if he did business card baseball cards? And then he printed all of our business card baseball cards for free. Had his little logo on the bottom corner. It was a win-win. He came to me to barter. And then I got new printing. I got things that actually, baseball cards that actually brought in revenue with zero cost. And I think that mindset, I started looking with everything. I mean, we got our donuts traded for when we did donut doggers and donut burgers. We had pizza traded at the stadium. And it's like, well, you got to offer advertising. And well, the reality is now we're not even selling advertising, but we're still doing barter. I mean, the reality is my yellow tux has a dry cleaning deal (laughs) all summer. And uh, there's no trade for advertising or marketing. You know, we do throw a few tickets to them. And obviously I share and talk about them, but that's it. And so what are those opportunities? What services do you have that you could potentially barter or trade? Example, like at our ballpark, our segues, you know, our players enter the game on segues and our pitcher takes them out on segues. That's traded. Banana boat. We have a banana boat where we've had players take the field on a banana boat or we've had kids do banana boat rides. That was traded for free. And I think the biggest idea is just to call people with an idea and say, hey, I'm thinking about this with you. Is there a way we can work together and see other values that you can add? And, you know, I actually just had the idea the other day of in Savannah, there's something called a pedicab. And it's a bike with a kind of like a little seat chariot at the back. And 
they ride them all over Savannah and they're very popular. And I was like, well, what if we had our players actually take the field on pedicabs? And so I thought about that idea and I haven't called yet. And <laughs> I thought about this today. Why don't I just call right now on this recording? Hopefully if I can get in touch with someone and I'll share maybe how I do it. This is a, a complete cold call. So I'm going to look up Savannah pedicab. And I think the key first, if I can find the owner's name, because I always want to try to call and talk to the decision maker. This is obvious. And then here we go. Searching Rusty, Rusty Brown Savannah Pedicab. And I'm going to call right now and <laughs> let's see if they actually answer. A lot of times you don't know if you can get the right person on the phone, but I'm going to go call them like this would be idea. I'm like, hey, you have an idea if you want to do something, but you don't have money. I can't afford to buy a pedicab, even if it's like a couple hundred bucks. You know, it's something that I'd rather not put in my budget. So if there's a way I can do some kind of trade with them, then that would be a win. So I'm going to call name is is Rusty. I'm going to call him right now and see if I can get in touch. I'll call the regular number. Here we go. Uh, this is bizarre, by the way. I've never done this live or it's not really live, but to you it's live. So there's something there. Here we go. All right. It is during business hours. Thank you for calling Savannah Pedicab. Our winter hours are Thursday through Sunday, 5.30 to midnight. If you're interested in our wedding cabs or want to inquire about setting up a reservation for a special event, please email us at info at savannapedicab.com. Thank you and have a great day. Hey, this message is for Rusty. Rusty, this is Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Just had an idea about partnering with you guys. I would love to share. I think we could have some fun potentially this summer. So if you could give me a call back on my cell, that would be great. It's 781-424-2499. Again, it's Jesse Call with Savannah Bananas. Look forward to hearing from you. Take care. So I had to leave a message. So I didn't get to him. But I think the key was I said an idea. And I think a lot of times we just share an idea. Reach out. It was definitely cold. I never spoke to Rusty, the, the gentleman from Savannah Pedicab. But we'll see. If it's that idea, hey, he wants to have his pedicab in front of some fans, that could be a win-win. So again, look at how do you maximize your assets? How do you trade and barter? Also, small bets, I think, are huge. A product for us is our merchandise. We look at small bets. How do we add value constantly without actually dramatically increasing costs. And so for us, we realized that adding koozies and adding a decal into every merchandise order is only 50 cents each. We bought in bulk, we got them, so it's a dollar cost, and it's a very high value add for a very, very low cost. And so we look at, you know, even without having tons of resources, can we add those value pieces that make something even more you know, attractive to a buyer. The number two thing, when we looked at our merchandise, we said, all right, well, instead of buying a ton of inventory, could we actually buy exactly what our fans want? And so we had to test that. So we tested it with our 24-hour shirt and everything was pre-order. So we literally said, hey, 24 hours, uh, whoever wants this shirt, this is it. It'll never come back. And we did hundreds. But what happened is now there's zero inventory. So literally, when you can find ways for your fans to pay for your innovation, that is the key. So if you have an idea, can you put it out there? Again, very similar to Kickstarter and a lot of those ideas that they have now on the internet. It's let your fans tell you, do they want this before you have to invest 
the huge cost. And that has been for us. Other things, small bets, you know, we only spent $300 on making bacon toilet paper. We only bought a certain amount of rolls to test to see how it would do. Same thing, you know, with the Dolce and Banana underwear. We do small bets and it seems crazy. Those are innovative ideas where we don't bet the farm. So what are those like crazy unique things that you want to try and just do it a small bet in front of your customers or your fans? And if it does well, then you expand it. And obviously, we've bought a lot more Dolce & Banana underwear over the years. And so look at those small bets. And then finally, social media. I think this is the best way to test everything you do without spending a lot of money. And this has been the single-handed game changer for us. I think we need to remember that quantity leads to quality. Often we think we got to do the perfect post, the perfect video. We are just obsessed with posting every single day at multiple times a day to see what works and what doesn't work. And the biggest example of that is TikTok, you know, literally an intern who was, you know, intern pay, not huge salary, not huge benefits, just started with us. We let her tackle in uh, TikTok and Savannah, her name's Savannah, and she just was empowered to try it. And all the only challenge I said to her was post every single day. And I want to know what you're learning from each one, what works, what doesn't. And so now we've posted three, 400 times and obviously gained a great following, but not a huge cost. The cost, I think the constraints of having to post every day fosters great creativity. So how do you put constraints to bring on new creativity? I think Steve Jobs was a master of this. When he'd meet with his engineers, they'd say, that'll take about a year to get it done. He goes, all right, well, we're releasing in six months. And people thought he was crazy. And it was, yes, in the beginning, especially tough to work for him. But we push ourselves in regards to thinking on when we can get things done. We often think that it's going to take us a lot longer than it does. And if we add a constraint, a deadline brings great creativity often because we're forced to actually put it out there. And you don't know anything until you actually do and test and ship. So that was a constraint we put every day. Some new video has to go out and we have to learn from it. And so that's been a big, big thing for us. And I think, uh, you know, that whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Back to outthink, don't outspend. For us, it's players doing choreographed dances. It's players doing music videos. It's players doing love scenes, which we've done. We did a Titanic love scene with our coach, which was bizarre. It's you put people in different positions. So for bankers, nurses, lawyers, you know, what are those unique situations you could put yourself in? People think of bankers and lawyers as professional, serious. So as soon as you start showing a level of fun, doing different things, it'll start creating more attention. And so that whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. How do you test it? Put yourself in a different position. I remember Savannah Police actually asked Ben, our videographer, to do a film of them, a lip sync, and it got millions of views. It was a one of the famous love songs from the 80s, whatever, Hold On, and Wilson Phillips, maybe. And it took off. It got millions of views because it was police officers doing a love song scene. It wasn't the best video in the world, but it was people in a different situation. So look at your team, your business, your industry. How can you, could you do a rap video? You know, could you do something that does seem so out of the element for you? And I think that's a way that you can start creating great attention for your brand when you think outside of that typical industry box. And so finally here, I know I've been a lot on product. I talked about our show. We maximize the assets, the merchandise, the social media, and then the process. The one thing that I think I've done by mistake is I share before we're ready. 
And I get in trouble sometimes with our president and our staff. It's like, Jesse, you're already talking about all these things we're doing and we haven't done them. I go, well, <laughs> maybe we'll do them now. <laughs> and I think it's share before you're ready. And there is actually a method to the madness. When I first started, I just, I get excited and I talk about new products and new things we're going to do and that fires me up. But what I've realized is that it becomes a giant test. And so the more I share things uh, publicly or share to a group or to just a few people, engage their reaction. That tells me whether potentially the market is ready, they'll find it funny, whether they'll find it useful, whether they'll talk about it. Is it remarkable? If you share something and no one comments on it, then you could potentially go down this long path of investing a lot of money, investing a lot of time, and it would not be remarkable. And so I challenge any executive people in the business, if you t- want to do something, share it. Often we keep things a secret. It's okay if you share something, you don't end up doing it. No one's really going to remember or pay attention anyways. So I purposely go on podcasts regularly and I will talk about things we are going to do in the future or that I hope that we'll do in the future. And I gauge reactions. You know, I know people have heard me talk about uh, the banana blackout drink, which is a terrible idea for so many reasons. But I think the idea of having a black slushy, which is the strongest drink that we could serve, and actually only allowing fans at a game to have one, that's the max. You're only allowed one at a game, and it even might get like on your tongue. It's a black drink. It's a really bad idea. But when I share it with people, they go, the banana blackout, that's ridiculous. And it creates intrigue. And I think based on the reactions that I've got, that people would want to try it at least once. And if I didn't share this at all, if if every single person said, that's the worst idea in the world, that's the worst idea, that's the worst idea, I will never have that, I will never have that, I'll never have that, then it might give me a sign we should not invest that much money or time into developing that. But I think that's the key. I mean, I've been talking so much about doing a halftime show at our games this year. Baseball does not have halftime shows, but the idea of stopping the game and doing a halftime show over the top with our band, music, confetti, Sounds a lot of fun for me. So I've been sharing it with people and people think it's the reactions I've got are pretty good. I still have no idea what it looks like. I don't even know if we're going to be able to pull it off. I have no idea. But because I've shared it, it's giving me that encouragement that we should at least try it. And then finally, like I've been talking a lot about doing weigh-ins before the game, visiting team versus home team, like a boxing UFC weigh-in. Let's do it. What's the worst thing I have to lose there? Maybe it just gets awkward, which most of our promotions get awkward anyway. So that's, that's not a big deal. Sharing, 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 getting reactions. I think that is everything. And you can test without putting any money into it. Test by talking about it. And I know it's like, well, you got to do, you got to do. But first talk, first talk. So our process to all of this is have an idea, share it, then test it, and then expand. So idea, share it, test it at a minimum cost, minimum, minimum cost, and then if it works, expand it. And then we look at how many of those experiment tests can we do. And so I'll give you, I'm gonna go real hard practical now into the One City World Tour because I think this all, I'll share some value of how we are able to actually start a barnstorming professional team with very little resources. So the first thing, idea. So we ask, when you start with an idea, is it different? Is it remarkable? Do we believe in it? Are we passionate about it? That is so key with any idea. If you don't truly believe in it, if you're not passionate about it, and you don't have energy to share it, good luck. The idea might already be dead. And people look at me, it's like, Jesse, you have so much energy. Well, most of the things that I want to do, I believe in so much. I believe it's going to make a difference. I believe people are going to love it. I believe it's fun. And so you got to start with that. If you have an idea, and a lot of times we're afraid, we have fear or whatever. But deep down, you do you really want to do this? Does it excite you? Start there. So now, the One City World Tour. 
Was it different? Yes, 100%. There's no barnstorming teams right now, especially not during a pandemic. Is a one-city world tour different? Yes, it's no such thing as a one-city world tour until we invented it. Do we believe in it? 100%. As we saw fans you know, drive 40 hours from Utah to a game th- this past year, as we saw fans drive from Texas and California to come all over, we believe that we have fans that are dying for wrong use of word there. Fans that are wanting laughter, wanting joy, wanting fun. And so we believe that we should bring it to more people. So yes, it passes that first test. Number two, share it. How do you share it without investment? So I first started talking about it almost two years ago. The idea of the bananas taking the show on the road. And so many times people, oh, if you come to my city, I'll be there. If you come to my city, I'll be there. I heard that over and over and over again. I shared it. I shared it with peers. I started talking to people like, can this actually work? And they said, well, if anyone could do it, it would be you guys because it's not a typical baseball game. And so I started sharing that. So now it's like, all right, how do we test this with a minimum cost? So the next step, how do we test it with a minimum cost? And we put it out to our fans. We just shot a video and put it out to our fans and said, hey, we're looking to do a world tour. Where should we go? And it was the question, but more was trying to gauge the interest level. And when we got over a thousand nominations, heard from 300 cities in 15 countries, we knew we were on to something. So now we're at the idea to the share to the test at a minimum cost. We know it's time to move forward, not to expand yet to move forward. And so how can we do the minimum cost to see if it'll actually, actually work? And so for us, we had to make a deal. We had to make a deal with a city that we knew that we weren't going to be put so much down first that it'd be hard to be profitable or be successful. So when we reached out to cities and we heard from different cities, we created some demand. So what happened is we narrowed it down to five cities. And out of those five cities, they were fighting for us. What would it take? What's the best situation? How can we make, how can we make you choose our city? And we got the cities competing. And I think that's so important. I learned this when I was in college from Massachusetts and trying to get a baseball scholarship. I was hearing from all the Northern schools, you know, Boston College offered a scholarship, Northeastern, you know, I had University of Maine. I had so many Northern schools, but not many down South because they hadn't seen me play until finally I went down and I played a tournament down at Wake Forest and Wofford College saw me and they were interested. But it wasn't until they learned that Northeastern was offering me a full ride and Boston College was offering me a scholarship that literally Wofford tripled their offer to me and made it one of the highest offers they gave because of the competition. It's so simple, but if you're trying to start something and innovate without resources, how do you get people competing for you? Even if they don't even know you that well. Wofford saw me pitch once, but they knew other people wanted me. Again, you want what other people want what you can't have. And so we had these cities competing. And finally, one city who said, hey, what is, what's it going to take? What if we provide this, provide this, provide this? And you know, Mobile, Alabama made it a no-brainer for us. And then, but we knew we had to still keep our costs down. So we went to the operators of the stadium and said, hey, we need to limit our costs dramatically because we're going to have a ton of expenses. And we are, we're taking the whole show on the road. And we were able to get our rent down to almost <laughs> pretty much nothing, but we made it as a win-win so that the team operating the stadium could make a lot of money on food and Bev and other, other opportunities where, but we wouldn't have that hard cost going into it. And most people, when they go into an event, they have to try to cover so much just to make it profitable. You know, if you're hosting an event or a concert, it's like, all right, well, our cost is going to be $30,000. So we got to sell this many tickets just to break even. We didn't want to get into that game because we knew we already going to have costs as far as our travel, our hotels, our players, all that. So we ended up getting uh, the best rent situation we could possibly get. And now we can set the precedent for that. 
Then we went to the hotels, same thing, compete. We went to all the local hotels, said, hey, we're coming here, we're bringing you know, 80 plus people, but we also know there's gonna be fans traveling and uh, parents, families of the players are gonna be traveling. What's the best deal? And we got down to between three hotels and literally one hotel cut their rate in half for us. And I also knew that literally occupancy rate is 40% right now. So it wasn't just trying to make a bad situation for the hotel, I knew 40% occupancy rate. So if we literally fill up the hotel at half the typical rate, we are, that's a 10% improvement of what they're getting. So it's still a win-win. They offered it. They chose it. I didn't ask for it. I said, come back with whatever you can. What's the best situation? And they came with that and we won. Same thing with the bus deal. Our bus, you know, came in at very high. I said, well, what if we take two buses? What if we guarantee that we'll do two to four trips next year? Again, I kept layering it to get our costs down. And this is something I had to learn when I was in Gastonia and when I couldn't pay myself for months. And so Big things, I, I wanted to create can't lose situation for not only us, but for every person we worked with. If everyone only makes a little bit, but doesn't lose, that's a win. And I think that mindset is what we need to look on with anything we do. It's okay if we don't make a lot in the beginning, but let's not lose. And so we cut our costs down dramatically for this event. And so we only have to sell a certain amount of tickets to be in the yellow, as we call it in our staff, because uh, we don't like black or red, but... And that's what we did. So now we're going to Mobile with a very low cost because we're trying to innovate this new thing and see then, does it work? Now do we expand it to more cities? And so, and finally, just continued experiments. We did a bunch of experiments with this. We had a coach contest to see who wanted to coach for Mobile. And we literally had 2,000 nominations. Who wants to coach? So we got all these people interested in being coaching. Then we did a golden ticket. We learned this from P.T. Barnum. He actually did an auction for the first Jenny Lynn tickets. And we did a golden ticket. We said, we're going to, fly people in to Mobile, give them a hotel downtown, suite uh, set up at the game, all their food, everything included. We were able to team up with Visit Mobile to help with the, the funding of this and have the money go to charity. And over $1,500 was raised for the two tickets, which is amazing. Again, another experiment. If it only raised two or 300, there was no real loss for us. Then finally, we're gonna do tryouts in the city in Mobile. We haven't had a lot of people sign up for this. It's a very, you know, we're hoping we get a good turnout, but at first, it's been very low, and so it might not work. But the idea, can we get into the city? Can we get people excited about it? And then obviously on the game day, everything's going to be an experiment because we're in a new city, new music, new sound, new stadium setup, new promotions, and we're going to see how that works with a new fan base that hasn't seen what we've done. But all of this, it's one city. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. If it does, then we can expand it. And so we're going to be in this you know, for maybe... $50,000 and that's, you know, maybe 50 to 60 and that's for all in for a one city, which I think is key to think about for such a huge opportunity in years to come to have that as a risk is not a very big risk. And that's probably the biggest expense we've had for most of our things is we even go much smaller than that, but it was all a series of small bets to get to that. So I know I've gone on a little bit today, but I wanted to give some examples because I think building this idea culture, this innovative culture starts with a mindset of, hey, we're going to be resourceful. We only have a little bit to work with. Instead of someone saying, hey, what's my budget for this? Say, what can I create with no budget for this? And that's what fires me up. Our prop budget last year for the season, in the past, it was over $10,000. I mean, props, costumes, pot, whipped cream, everything we use at the stadium. Last year, I made it a goal because I took over that budget. I said, I'm going to keep it as low as possible and put on a better show than I've ever had. And I kept it to $1,500. And I just took that mindset as more of a test for myself. And so how can you limit your budget and get even more creative and without your fans knowing? Because sometimes if people know that you can spend a lot of money, there isn't 
a lot that's put into it. It's just, hey, we're putting a lot of money into it and hoping for the best. People don't have the skin in the game and the creativity and the, the idea of turning something from nothing into something special. And that's what's really exciting. So how to innovate without a budget? Start with that mindset. You know, begin, just start thinking about everything you can do, your people, your products, and your processes. Outthink, don't outspend. Start with the idea, share it, test it at minimum cost, and then expand from there. And start it from day one with your people and start saying, this is what we're going to do this year. And I think the greatest creators, the greatest innovators love that constraint of having not a lot of resources to make something happen. So I'll finish today with the biggest lesson I've learned this month. It comes from the book Rocket Fuel which is the one essential combination that will get you more of what you want from your business by Gina Wickman and Mark Winters. Maybe the biggest game changer over the last year for our team and myself and our president, Jared Orden, and mind-blowing. Basically, it talks about the keys between visionary and integrator and that most companies, uh, they may have a visionary, um, but they might not have an integrator. And the companies that have both and that are working together are the ones that really grow, dominate, and make an impact. And I read this about the visionary and I was like, this is a hundred percent, you know, me. And it talks about, you know, there's Walt Disney and then there's Roy Disney, there's uh, Henry Ford and there's Mark Cousins. And, you know, we need to know what the difference is. And the visionary is constantly focused on seeing the future, you know, looking at those ideas, those things that really want to move the company forward. They are constantly big picture, idea generator. They're constantly inspiring. They're all about passion. You know, they have a pulse on the industry. You know, they're thinking about what isn't and what they can do about it. They're about closing big deals. You know, that's who the visionary is. But there's challenges. We have too many ideas. You know, we we aren't great at getting things done. We struggle at sweating the details. We're not good at developing talent. You know, there's a lot of things that we struggle with. And so I think you know, letting go. We always have to feel like we're in the middle of it. You know, we're not great on on control. There's a lot of issues. And I think I realized, wow, this is 100% me. I need an integrator to help bring that together. And luckily, Jared Orden took the test and uh, he's our president and found out that he 1000% is an integrator. He's obsessed with running the day-to-day, developing systems. You know, he's all about managing and, and leading people and focusing on the P&L and, you know, he's unbelievable at just looking at the process to everything. But there's challenges. You know, they get a lack of appreciation. You know, they can be seen as a pessimist because they all might say no to more things. Uh, they're more into going slow and accountability and going through the whole process. So there's a lot of friction between a visionary and an integrator. And I've realized that Jared and I, we've worked together for five years with the Bananas and a few years with the, the Grizzlies. And... I've realized that sometimes we do have that friction. It's because we didn't really understand where each other was coming from. And this book, we read this book together, was a game changer. And it's it's a few years old, and I know I'm coming to it late, but we just started immediately communicating better. And we started having same page lunches and talking about, hey, these are the things that I'm thinking as a visionary. And then he's thinking about how can we make those happen? And here's the things that on his list. And we just started working really, really well together. And I think that is the key. And there's five rules that they talk about in the book to make sure the relationship is great between the integrator and the visionary. It's stay on the same page, no end runs. The integrator is the tiebreaker. You are an employee when working in the business and maintain mutual respect. And so we have our same page lunches, uh, which is so great to talk about you know, what we're working on. No end runs. That means people on the team won't go to me 
they'll go to him first, or I won't go to people on the team. You know, it goes through the integrator. That's what makes things happen. The integrator is the tiebreaker. So if there's a battle between visionary, integrator, and a few other people, the integrator is the one that makes it happen. So they have to be the tiebreaker. And as a visionary, if I'm in the business, I need to be an employee. I'm working in the business. I'm not the one telling people what needs to be done and then maintaining mutual respect. And, you know, I think uh, it's very key that we, in your business, whether you are a visionary or an integrator, you're looking for those people that can really help you get the things that you need to get done because we all struggle at, at many different things. And I struggle at so many things in regards to details and accomplishing things, but it's the integrator, Jared, that makes it happen. And even now with entertainment, I'm looking at hiring an integrator to help execute that vision that I have for the show. And so wherever you stand, find that compliment and really spend a lot of time on it. Um, we're spending two hours on our same page lunches, and that's how important it is for us to connect. And I tell you, the connection's at a higher level than it's ever Ben. And so with that, and with that lesson, I think he talks about at the end of the book is focus on the rocks that go into your jar. And you talk about, I think there's an example from Stephen Covey about the rocks, the sand, the water, maybe the marbles. You guys probably know it better than I do. But if you put everything else in, the distractions, all the other work you have before the rocks, you're in trouble. You got to put the rocks in first. And I think I've learned more now to focus on the big rocks, the big pillars for our business and do less and then obsess do less and then obsess. And we're focusing on those big things. And I think that's been a uh, huge for us. We have tons of experiments we want to do, but what are those big things that you need to work on right now to make a difference? So that is it for this solo session, how to innovate without a budget. And the lesson I've learned about working together, visionary integrator and doing less and doing less and obsessing. So appreciate you guys keep rocking and rolling. And I look forward to sharing more in next month's solo session. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.